0: Okay, so right now we are getting into the last little chunk of the book of James. We've covered and read every verse of James except for this last little section. So go ahead and flip to James chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 to 18. The last two verses we covered in another sermon. Uh, but we're going to just cover this last little chunk of James tonight. I'm reading out of the ESV. Um, Let's do it. James chapter five, verse 13. James says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And then we covered verses 19 and 20 in another sermon. So that's the word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for your word. I'm just so thankful, Lord, that we can know that we just heard from God. These words were literally breathed out by you, Holy Spirit. And you gave them to James. And as we read and sit and study your word, you do this this thing, Holy Spirit, where you just speak to us. This, this is living and it's active. And so I just pray right now that you, we just invite you in, into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, um, that you would just do all the sweet things that you do when we when we open your word. And above all, we ask that you would show us Jesus tonight. Help us to fall more in love with Jesus. Help us to be more in awe of our God and what he has done for us and his great love for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Help me now just to be faithful to your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, when you like preach or teach or whatever, it's always good to have an intro, like a nice little story. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, what would be a good intro? Wouldn't it be cool if I could share this story of prayer where I was like, God, God, May it not rain anymore for three and a half years. And then the drought happened. And then, and then like I prayed and it stopped. Um, and I was honestly like just sitting here thinking like what story could I share? And do you know what I came up with? Basically nothing, because I wanna just confess to you guys, prayer for me is super hard. It's honestly just hard. It's hard for me to spend 10 minutes of my mind and time not thinking about anything else, but talking to God right? Like you get into it like 15 seconds, God, yeah, I just pray. And then it's like your phone buzzes or just, you just think about something else. Like how hard is it to concentrate on God for five minutes straight? Like honestly, think about that. When's the last time you spent an hour just praying, spending time with God? Uh, Our church, I uh, just spent a week, last week in Honolulu. There's, we're planning a church in like October. Um, and for the whole week, people from all the different churches in the church family came and it was like just for prayer. And you guys, it was honestly so hard. It is so hard to pray for like 10 minutes, let alone like we're just gonna pray basically all day. We're gonna go to different neighborhoods and we're gonna pray for this church in the city. It's just hard. And you know what else, maybe this isn't you, but when I pray with people, Prayer is kind of awkward sometimes, right? Like doing youth ministry, if you guys have ever done any kind of like stuff with junior hires, there are just some gloriously awkward moments that happen in prayer. Like, so you get all like the the junior hires together, high schoolers or whatever, and we're like, okay, we're gonna pray for the person on your right. And this is almost every time. The junior hires starts. dear God, I just pray for, what's your name again? And they're like, seriously? And then they're like, it's, it's jake okay god i just pray for jake that you would um you would bless him and um what am i supposed to pray for again like that is that is youth ministry right like it's hard it's awkward uh like and and maybe honestly let's be real we're like junior hires right when you pray for someone you're like wait what was their name or like wait what am I supposed to pray for again? Because I honestly wasn't really listening. Like, it's just hard. It's just awkward. And then there's the whole like speaking in public thing, right? Like, oh, I don't like praying in groups because I don't want people to think my prayers are weird. Or what if I'm going to pray something heretical and people are like, man, that person, I'm never asking them again for prayer. Like prayers, it's just hard, awkward thing. Um, but do you know what's crazy? Is that while it's hard and it's awkward and it's difficult and we feel insecure, Prayer is literally, you guys, the most powerful tool on this planet. Prayer is actually, literally, the most powerful thing God has given us. And we have an opportunity every day to take advantage of like, I can talk to God who is in control of everything. And when I pray to him, it will move his hand. Like that is the most powerful thing because God is the most powerful person and prayer is us connecting to God. And you guys, prayer is like, it would be like someone just bought you, um, I don't know, just this amazing, powerful sports car. And you're like, wow, thank you. And then you just like go off on your rusty old bike throughout the day and you never use it. Like that's kind of what we do as Christians. We've been offered this amazing, powerful, this moves the hand of God tool, and we're like, oh, I just, I think I'll just go on my own, right? Like, it's, it's kind of crazy, but prayer is so powerful, and it's probably, though it's the most powerful, amazing gift, it's maybe one of the most underutilized tool and gift we use. And so, James is talking about prayer, there's so many things we could talk about, but James, to sum up, James talks about three essential truths he wants us to focus on with prayer. And the first one is this. In verses 13 and 14, where we started, the first point James is making is this prayer should be our first resort. Prayer should be like the first reaction we have in any given scenario. Prayer. Like, look what he says. I'll just read it. Is any one of you, is anyone among you suffering? What should you do? Next words, let him pray. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Okay, so let's be honest. I don't think it's just me. Is your first reaction to your problems, your first gut reaction, like prayer? Is that your first gut reaction? Like my personal one is, I, my usual gut reaction is like, I got this. I can figure this out. Like I, or, or like, I'll, I'll suck it up. Maybe some of you, your first gut reaction is like, just i don't know despair like this is the end of the world but is your first reaction like i'm gonna go to god so here's literally just life examples headache i get headaches a lot i have bad sinuses do you know my first reaction is it's a diet coke and some tylenol that's my first reaction i don't think let me pray for my headache i'm like i got this diet coke tylenol usually helps uh stressed out anybody else besides me get stressed out i get stressed out do you know what my gut reaction is Hey, let's get to work. What am I gonna do? How can I fix? How can I get on top of my day? Uh, relation. You guys have relational issues, or like somebody's in need. Do you know what I do when someone shares with me a need? I my gut reaction is like, let me tell you some wisdom. Let me tell you some really good advice to how to get your problems better. It's usually never. Hey, let's pray. That's, it's usually not my first reaction. And if anything, prayer is, is almost like a last resort, right? Like prayer is like you're left on a life raft and you run out of water and then you're like, all right, I should probably appeal to God. I've exhausted all my resources. God, please help me, right? Like when, when life just hits the fan and we've exhausted all our options, like our relationships and our money and our expertise, then if, if you're anything like me, then it's like, okay, now maybe I'll consider praying. Prayers like, do you know what prayer is like? It's like our uh, spiritual fire extinguisher that we just, we always know it's there and it's hanging on the wall and we're like, okay, the day's coming when I'm going to need that and I'm ready for it and I know it's there, but it's kind of my last resort, right? Uh, I was even thinking when I was a kid, I had so much fun with fire extinguishers. Point being, there's a lot more you can do with your fire extinguisher than just wait for it. That's like kind of silly, but here's the point. Prayer is more than just our spiritual fire extinguisher. It's there in case of emergencies. James is like, listen, it should be your first reaction when something goes wrong in your life. Why isn't it our first reaction? Like, why? I think if there's probably two groups of us. I think some of us are just proud. We're like, hey, I got this. I don't. I can figure out my life when I'm like driving and I'm lost. Do you know what my first reaction is? I don't want to get help. I don't ask for help. It's like, I got this. I can figure this out. I'm going to, I know it's going to take a little bit longer, but I don't even want to look at my iPhone because I'm like, I I am competent. I will figure this out, right? Some of you guys are maybe like me with the Lord. It's like, do you know what? I can figure out my life. I can figure out the plans. I can figure out these problems. I can figure out my relationships. And we, in our pride, we turn to our own strength and our own resources. And you know what that often leads to for me? It then leads to anxiety and stress because I'm not that competent to figure out my life and my problems, but I try to. So it's first like I got this, then I end up just getting crushed, and then I'm like, oh God, I'm sorry, please help me. Maybe some of the other, uh, other group of us, maybe it's not pride, maybe it's doubt, maybe you're like, man, does, does prayer really, is prayer actually gonna affect my headache? or this relational situation, or my boss at work? Like, is it actually gonna help? Is, is prayer really gonna make a difference in my life? And I think some of us maybe go more towards like food or substances or people, because we're like, that will actually maybe help me more than God. Like I, like, I don't know if God actually is concerned about my life, and so we go to other things. So some of us are too proud. Some of us are maybe just like, man, I don't really know if God cares about prayer, but James is saying, are you suffering? here's what you should do, pray. Are you stressed out? You should pray. Are you, su- are you suffering emotionally? Like, are you overwhelmed? Are you depressed? Like, pray. I'll, I'll be honest, you guys, for whatever reason, when I'm busy, like, I just wake up, and I'm stressed out, and I'm like, man, I know I'm supposed to spend time with Jesus. I have this reading plan, so I like, it helps me get it done, but I'm like, I just got to get through this thing so I can get on to the work of my day. That's my temptation. I wake up, I have too much to do, I'm overwhelmed, and so I sit down and I look at this book and I have my journal and I'm like, how quick can I get this done? Because I have like work to do and I'm stressed. Uh, This is literally, you guys, almost every day that I work, that's what my heart goes through. I wake up, I have too much to do, I'm stressed, and I sit down and I'm like, this time with God is a little bit of a burden. I just need to get it done so I can go get the work, the real work done of my life. Um, literally yesterday and even today, I just woke up like just feeling that, like just feeling anxiety and stress. And James is, is saying to me, and if you have this experience, if you are suffering emotionally, or just getting depressed, getting stressed out, he's saying, listen, stop. And talk to Jesus about it. I want you to stop and pray. And this is something that it's crazy. It's almost every day for me. Uh, a verse I, I want to give you that I've like memorized, and I pray almost every day is Psalm seventy-three twenty-six. This is what it says: My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's, that's like my daily experience. I wake up and I'm stressed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. And I'm experiencing my flesh failing. And I'm experiencing my heart, my own heart, like wavering. And God's like, listen, turn to me. Remember this verse. Your flesh and your heart may fail. They do every day, but I am the strength of your heart. I am your portion. That word strength, I love it. In the footnote, the, the, the Hebrew word for strength is also rock. So what he's saying is like, listen, your heart is jacked and your emotions are just, you're stressed and you're overwhelmed, you're suffering emotionally, but I am this rock that is not getting affected and it's not going anywhere. And if you let me, I'll be like this rock in your heart. Like everything else is kind of going crazy, but like I have this rock that I can cling to and I'm safe. Like just waves beating crazy, but you're like, I have this rock and this is crazy, but I'm gonna hold on to this rock. And so most days, you guys, most busy days, I wake up and I'm suffering emotionally and I'm stressed out. And then this is what I've genuinely found when I sit here and I meditate on the Lord and I, and I allow my mind to not look at the wind and the waves and everything else. And I spend time praying and looking at who God is. My heart like finds that rock and it's able to like rest. And it actually comes to this place of like peace, like literally I'm okay. Like I start stressed and then I end like, God is my rock and my refuge and he holds my life and my future and and I'm in his hands and I'm okay today. Like James is saying, are you suffering? Pray, turn to the Lord. And I just wanna testify, that's what I do most days and I find peace in the Lord. Here's the other thing. If you're like me, kind of type A, stressed, you're like gotta get work done. Here's a temptation, it's Satan and it's just the world and it's us. Do you know, I don't have time to pray because I have too much to do. You guys ever feel that way? I don't have time. Yes, nice. I will read, spend time with God, read your Bible. But like, honestly, I just don't have time. That's what I experience every day. Um, I wanna read you this quote from this, one of the most effective humans in human history. Uh, he like literally changed the whole Western world. His name was Martin Luther. He did a lot. He taught a lot. He wrote a lot. An extremely effective guy. He literally is famous for this quote. He says, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And he meant it. He's like, wow, my to-do list, I have to like, you know, confront the Pope and this is a big deal. I need three hours today. This is like a three hour day of prayer. And that sounds crazy, right? It sounds silly. But do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like saying? It's like, I have a marathon to run, and it's so long that I'm not gonna spend any time training. I'm just gonna go to it. I'm just gonna go run a marathon. Have you guys ever tried to run a marathon, or even like five miles when you're out of shape? You don't just go do it, you will hurt yourself and you will ruin yourself. You literally spend, if you're like a normal human, like six months training for a marathon. It would be like saying, okay, I have this amazing building to build and I I don't wanna spend a couple weeks like drawing up some blueprints and plans. Let's just get started. I have too much to do. Like, how's that gonna go for your building? It's gonna be terrible. Uh, Prayer is actually your source for life. It is your source for getting things done. It is your source for joy and for strength and for productivity. How? Why would we face our days a stressful, busy day with our own strength. When God is like, I wanna help you and give you fuel and power and energy and clarity and guide you, like I'd be crazy to, to go and try and live a stressful day on my own strength. Like all the more when we're stressed and we're suffering and we're overwhelmed, we need to spend time with the Lord like we will get far more done. So James is like, listen, you're suffering, pray, it will actually help. Another one, suffering spiritually, it's kind of similar, like suffering emotionally in our mind and our heart. But some of us right now just feel far from God. Um Some of you guys, if you are to be really honest, like, like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love God. I know I'm supposed to be with God, but I don't really want to be with him. Um, I don't really want to read my Bible. I don't really want to worship God. I don't really want to like stand on my feet and like engage in worship. Like I'm just, if I'm honest, I just feel like lethargic towards the Lord. And that in many ways is is what suffering spiritually looks like. Um, I'm going to read you another verse that this is as crazy as it sounds. David, who was like, who he, he could worship, he experienced this towards God. He just experienced, like, man, I d- like, why don't I want to be with God? Uh, Psalm 42, verse 11. This is a verse. If you're suffering spiritually, pr- learn and pray and memorize this verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think it's okay. David right here is giving you permission to be like, hey, I'm, my soul's jacked. My soul right now is not okay. I'm having a hard day. My soul is not in a good spot and I'm going to call it out and I'm going to bring that before God. So even when you don't want to be with God, take that and bring it before God. Be like, God, I'm having a hard time. I don't even want to be with you. You're not going to hurt his feelings. He already knows. And it's being honest before him is this act of like, I, it's, it's like, I'm going to hope in God still. I don't want to, but I'm going to hope in God for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then here's, here's like the next step. When you're suffering spiritually, be honest about it. And then what did David say? I shall again praise him. You guys, when you worship, even when you don't want to, and you don't feel like it, when you worship that way, it's an actual act of like defiance, against Satan, against our own broken souls. And something happens when we just fix our eyes on Jesus, even when we don't want to. Something happens supernaturally, like it's just a supernatural thing where we like begin to be lifted out of our spiritual slumber. When like, I'm going to praise God. And then the last thing of suffering, and James talks about it, is suffering physically. Um, That may be like broken something or a torn something or an illness, even like mental illness. James is like, hey, here's the first thing you should do when you're physically suffering. Pray. Because God is actually in control of our bodies and he is fully able to pray. And, And he's not saying here like, hey, don't go to doctors. Don't do that. You should only pray. He's just saying the first thing you should do when you're sick is pray. What if like the first thing you did when you found out you like have this disease. It's like, man, I'm gonna pray right now. I'm gonna go to a doctor. Even uh, commentators say when he says anoint them with oil, that was like part of medicine back in the day. So he's like, yeah, use medicine, but like pray. When you are sick, physically pray. Like tonight even, some of you guys, if there's like something wrong, like James is like, this is what you should do. If you're physically sick, you should pray because God is able to heal. And so just James' point here in these first couple verses, our first resort through our lives when we suffer should be prayer. The second thing, this is is an interesting one. It's a really important one for us, is prayer must be done in community, okay? Prayer must be done in community. Notice um, that the two times he says to pray, he's inviting us to pray with other people. He's like, confess your sins to one another and call the elders of the church and pray. And we, like in California, in United States, in the 21st century, live in literally the most individualistic culture that there's ever been. There's never been a culture more about just who I am as an individual, and and my identity, and how I dress, and how I act, and what I'm going to do with my life. There has actually not been a more individualistic society than like what you live in right now? And so naturally when we think about Jesus, we're like, yeah, that's like me and Jesus, right? That's like what I do. And there's a thing, there's a place to that. Jesus is like, listen, don't go pray in public so everyone thinks you're awesome. He's like, you should, you should not do that. But he tells, James tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us here, listen, you need to call the elders when you're sick. You need to call a group of people. And then he says, you need to pray for one another. And this is just a healthy reminder are you a part of a group of people who you could actually like call up, you're like, hey, I need prayer. Like, are those people in your life? Are you known well enough that you like, have like a, a text message group of people like, hey, I need prayer. And have people, are people reaching out to you saying like, I need, I need prayer, will you pray for me? Like, this is something we need and it's not something that we're naturally gonna get from our culture. Like we have to fight and work for this. This is like an essential part. And especially, I think it's interesting, he says the elders. Um, it's, it's crazy. He doesn't say, hey, call up this person, so-and-so, who has a gift of healing. He's like, call your pastors. Call your elders and have them come pray for you. And so then again, that just reminder, do you have pastors, elders in your life who you could call and be like, I need prayer." And if you don't like work for that, seek those relationships out. You guys, this is, again, this is just not who our culture is. We don't like authority. We don't like community. But many of us have experienced or know people have experienced growing up, say without a dad and the effect that has, or maybe growing up with a bad dad and the effect that has. Living, being a Christian without like spiritual dads is like the same thing. Like you and I, we need spiritual dads, moms and dads who know us, can call us out, on some level can discipline us, can come pray for us, who are stronger than us, can provide for us and pray for us. And that's just something that we really need as, as we're like at this stage in our life. The temptation is like, I'm fine. I cruise in and out of church. I do my thing. Maybe I have some friends, but like get some spiritual like authority who would come and pray for you. And not only elders, in verse 16, he says, listen, you need to pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, this is another hard idea in our like individualistic society, like man it 's me and Jesus, I just I 'm struggling, but nobody else needs to know I have Jesus, right he 's my one mediator, and we 're fine. And, and on one level that 's true. Nobody else can forgive you of your sins, only Jesus. No priest or pastor or anybody else can forgive you of your sins, only Jesus. But James says, you for have, to have healing in your life need to let other humans in and let them know your stuff. You need to actually let other humans know, here is how I sinned. I confess my sin to you. That is actually part of what it means to follow Jesus, is to to confess our sins uh, to one another. Um, Because you know why? Our sins aren't just between us and Jesus. Your sin like affects people. It affects people. And so God is saying, you need to get that out. You need to confess it. Um, Do you know what else confession does? We all have experienced this. We're struggling with some sin and we're like, it's kind of just in the dark over here. And that's where the enemy just loves our sin to be, in the dark where nobody else knows about it. That's where he can lie to us, say, that's your identity. That's who you are. If you told people they wouldn't love you, if you, if you told people they wouldn't respect you anymore, that's the enemy wants us to keep our sins secret. And, and the Holy Spirit right here is like, listen, get your sin in the light, like expose it, tell other people, get it into the light. That act of confession disarms all of that nonsense of the enemy. It disarms all of that of the enemy. Do you know what else it does when we confess our sins? It humbly reminds us that we still need the blood of Jesus. Like, listen, you don't—the blood of Jesus isn't just for getting saved, and then you move on. Like, you and I need to remember every day, oh, I need the grace of God today. I need the blood of Jesus. And if I just kind of do my thing over here— it's, it's far easier to be like, I'm fine. But when I have to like call someone or text someone or on Friday or Sunday, be like, hey, I uh, confess this. What that does is that like humbles me. And it makes me remember, man, I, I need a savior. And then you know what else it does? It lets that other person be a minister of the gospel and say, hey, Jesus loves you. And Jesus forgave you of that sin. And it blesses others as we get to like tell one another, you're forgiven. That's why Jesus died. I still love you. Jesus still loves you. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. And you know what we do? This is what Adam and Eve, the first thing they did when they sinned, you remember? They ran and hid and then they covered themselves with like fig leaves which just picture trying to cover your naked body with fig leaves. I don't know if you've seen a fig leaf. It looks like a hand. Like there's a lot of holes. So you're just probably stressed out covering yourself with leaves. Like, oh, don't look at me. That's what we do when we sin. We're like, let me go try and like cover myself. And you know what? We look like fools when we try and cover ourselves with fig leaves. And everyone's like, hey, I can see more than you want me to see. I, you're not good at covering yourself, but we try to cover ourselves. And confession is saying, listen, don't hide it. You don't need to cover yourself with fig leaves. Be honest and open about your sin. And then do you know what God did to Adam and Eve in the garden? He said he killed an animal and he covered them with robes. And that's a picture of the gospel, of the love of Jesus, the righteous robes of Jesus covering us. So when we hide our sin, we're like fig leaves. God's like, listen, Confess your sin and remind each other that you're covered with robes of righteousness, the robes of Jesus. I'd much rather be covered in a robe than like some leaves. And so confessing our sin invites us to remember that. Man, I'm broken and I'm a sinful person and I, I, I can't cover it up, but Jesus has died for me and he covers my sin. And so that's why James is like, listen, confess your sins and then you'll be healed. There is actually, in some way I don't understand, when you tell people your sin, you get healed of that sin. I don't honestly get it all the way. But when we just try and get our act together on our own, James is like, listen, if you confess it, that's where healing comes from. Some of us tonight are like in some sin. And Jesus is saying, confess it. And it invites healing into our life. So prayer, number one, is our first resort. Number two, prayer should be done in community. And then the third thing is this. And this is kind of what we started with saying. In verse 16, he starts talking about uh, Elijah. And the point is this, prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. And he uses Elijah as an example. And what I love when he says about Elijah is he's like, yeah, remember Elijah's prayer when he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years? It makes you wanna think Elijah was awesome, right? That's what I, what I think, if I knew somebody who prayed, God, move the mountain into the sea and like Montecito Peak went. And I was like, man, I know that person. They're awesome. But his point is, hey, Elijah had a nature exactly the same as you and me. Meaning there wasn't anything special or superpowerish ish about Elijah. The power was that he prayed to God and God has all the power. Who can stop the rain? Not people. God can. Who can change like the world? God can. So his point is like, yeah, Elijah was cool. He had her, he prayed and it actually stopped rain for three and a half years. But the point is not Elijah said some secret spell or Elijah was really awesome. It was that he was appealing to God. And so James is saying, remember, prayer is powerful because God is powerful. It's the most powerful thing we have. Do you right now honestly believe that you have the ability to say some words and it will move the hand of God? Do you believe that? Do you have faith to believe that? Because that's actually the Bible, that you can pray to God and God will move. Honestly, honestly, do you believe that? do you believe that you can move the hand of God? I liked kind of joking when we were in Honolulu after we would pray. I just kind of said, but it was true. Like, hey, we just changed the universe. Like we literally just 10 minutes just changed the universe. When you pray, you move the hand of God. You guys, there's people, Joshua, he prayed once and the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. I don't even get the science behind that, like, what well, was the earth not spinning? And like, how did gravity work? And like, all that, I don't know, but it actually happened. He prayed and the sun stopped. Samson uh, failed at life. He got captured. He was, eyes were gouged out and he was chained to these pillars. And then he prayed and God gave him strength. And then he like pushed these pillars down and just killed a bunch of Philistines. True story. Elijah stopped the rain. Hezekiah, he was a king. He was, he was found out, hey, you're gonna die. He basically found out you have a diagnosis, you have a fatal illness. And he prayed and God was like, okay. And he let him live 15 more years. Like that wasn't even really a godly prayer. He's like, God, do I have to die? And God's like, all right, fine. And he lets him live. Uh, Hannah and Elizabeth were women in the Bible who couldn't have children and they prayed and then they got pregnant. And, and one of them, at least for sure, it was supernatural. Like they shouldn't have got pregnant. Like, you know how bodies work. They shouldn't have worked and it worked. They prayed and they got pregnant. You guys, praying actually moves the hand of God. And you are the same kind of human as Elijah and Hannah and Joshua and all these people. When you read of God doing crazy stuff, no, I'm not any different than these people. And God isn't any different. He didn't love them more than he loves me. And you have the ability to move the hand of God. And listen, when you hear these stories, they should sound like like incredible, like, like uncredible. Like, no, that's impossible. Because, because they are impossible. Because they only happen because God did them. Because people prayed. There's this uh, prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter three. And basically his point is this. Hey, God is able to do infinitely more than anything you could even ask for or imagine. Do you know that you worship a God who can do infinitely more, you can't be more extreme than that, infinitely more than anything you could ever imagine? Do you know you worship that God? So honestly, like, when's the last time you asked just imagine crazy things to ask God? Like God, just save everybody at my work. Could God do that? He could do infinitely more than whatever, the biggest thing you could imagine. Are you giving God an opportunity? Are you giving God opportunities to display his glory in your life by just asking crazy things? Or are you like, no, maybe God probably can't do that or probably doesn't want to do that. So I'm not even gonna ask him. Like, if I were to be honest, I hardly pray for the lost like I should, like for my neighbors where I live right now. Like for the, the employees at like the coffee shops that I go to, like for the for workers at Starbucks, for my teller at Albertsons, I'm like, I don't pray for them. And God's like, I could do infinitely more than anything you could imagine. I could do a revival, just save everyone in a grocery store like at once. Like God's like, you can, you can imagine that, that's crazy to you. I can do infinitely more than that. But God loves to move when we pray, when we ask him, because then he gets the glory. Like, are you praying for the lost? Are you praying for your own sanctification, like your own holiness? Do any of you guys feel like, man, I'm just jacked and I don't think I'm changing. Do you ever feel that way? Like, just discouraged? Like, why am I still struggling with this? God's like, I can, I can honestly sanctify you more than what you could ever imagine. Are you praying for that? Are you praying for like your city? Are you praying, this is crazy, for your future kids? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for your grandkids? Are you praying for you know, Jesus doesn't come back, your great grandkids. Did you guys know that your own, the fact that you love God right now was a miracle that probably happened because someone was praying for you? Do you know that? Like, what if we just prayed for this, just the nations to be reached? Like, what if we prayed that? What if we prayed that God would save the world? What if we prayed for our government leaders? You guys pray for our leaders? What if we did? What if we actually just tried to imagine the craziest things God could do and prayed for them? You guys know the man who abolished slavery, William Wilberforce, was an intense man of prayer. Did you know that? And God is like, yeah, I'll work through him. Did you know that the man who led the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, was an intense man of prayer? Did you know the man who led the Reformation, Martin Luther, was a man of prayer? Like, do you think it's a coincidence God used people like that? Because they prayed, they said, God, you have to move. I would love if we, like, as a generation, we're known for like, man, they just pray crazy things. They think God is really capable of doing stuff and they just pray and they ask and they pray. Let's like make prayer our first resort and let's pray in community and let's just increase our imagination and pray every day for the craziest things because God's like, yeah, it's powerful because I'm powerful. And the last thing I, I wanna just address because probably another reason why we don't pray, pray is we've prayed and then it didn't happen, right? Like we've prayed for something and prayed and prayed and prayed and like it didn't happen. And I think that is maybe the hardest part about prayer is, is when God says no to a prayer. I think maybe a, that's the most discouraging thing. Like verse 15 says, the prayer faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So you're like, well, I've prayed for sick people and like they died. Like that, that happens. And like, well, what are you saying here, James? Like God, if prayer is so powerful and I pray in community with my huge imagination, like what about when, when you don't answer my prayer? And um, I just wanna say a few things. Number one, Jesus experienced that. Jesus, who was God, experienced a no to prayer. And um, the night before he died, he he prayed. He was like, God, if there's any other way that we could save the universe besides me, like suffering the wrath of your wrath for all these people and just hanging brutally on a cross, is there's any other way, could we do that? Um, And God said no. And he went on and suffered. Another apostle, Paul, um, in 2 Corinthians, we see he had some crazy, like thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what that was. Um, But it says that he said three times I asked God, God, please take this away. And God said, no. Um, Prayer is powerful and it changes things and moves the hand of God and it does heal people. But another important part of following Jesus is the cross. And there will be times when God says, I could remove that from you and I'm fully able to, but I'm calling you to, like my son, like carry a cross. And I'm calling you sometimes to experience a no to your prayers, because following me is dying, is dying. It's picking up our cross and dying. Because, you know, it came after the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. And that's a picture that there will be a day. There is coming a day when all of your physical, emotional suffering, all the things you've prayed for, like there's coming a day when those prayers will be answered. But oftentimes the road to get there is a cross. Oftentimes the road to, to glory is us laying down our life and God saying no to some prayers. And so the key, like Jesus, is, is to pray huge, crazy things and then say, but Lord, like your will be done. That's what James meant when he says, pray in the name of the Lord in verse 14. Like, Lord, I'm gonna pray crazy things. I'm gonna let prayer be my first thing. I'm gonna pray in community and I'm just gonna pray crazy stuff because it's powerful, but Lord, your will be done. And if you wanna to respond to me like you did to Jesus, son, I love you, but that's not, that's not what's best. It actually would be better, son, for you to die on a cross for the sins of the world. We have to be able to, like, can I trust God with that? Am I able to continue to pray in faith? Even when God says no. Even when God knows better and says, I'm not going to answer that. You guys, even the fact that we can approach God and pray is because of the blood of Jesus. Even the fact that us sinful humans can move the hand of God, can come in his presence, that he would hear us and respond to us, is because of his love for us in Jesus. And so we got to trust him. Like, he loves us and he's good and he knows what is right. And he says, pray in faith, but pray according to my will and, and watch as I move and then trust me when I say, no, it's gonna be a cross this time. I'm not answering that prayer. Um, and so what we're gonna do right now, we're gonna spend some time in, in worship, um, but I especially want us to take advantage just because of where God had us. Like, let's really take advantage of praying for one another, um, we're gonna have a prayer team if, if you came alone or just don't really wanna share with who you came with and that's fine. Um, but I really wanna encourage you guys to like, let's obey the Bible and like confess our sin and pray for one another and encourage one another. Let's pray for physical stuff. Let's pray for emotional stuff. Let's pray for like our sins. And then if, if you're the one, you know, if you're sharing, be ready to tell them, like, the love of Jesus. Hey, Jesus died for that, and God loves you, and you're covered in his blood. Like, let's spend some time tonight, like, really pressing into that, like, even practically. Grab, like, two, maybe three people. Let's get in some groups, and um, I'm just going to be playing, and let's start worship off like that, and then when we're done, we'll have enough time. We have some extra worship to, like, fix our eyes on Jesus. But, um, let's obey this tonight and let's, let's pray for one another. And again, prayer is hard work. Uh, if you're like, this is hard. No, you're not alone. It is. It's hard work, but it's a wonderful gift that God has given us. And we should take advantage. Like we've been given this amazing gift of prayer. And so um, I'm going to pray for us right now. Um, I'm going to run up and get my guitar. We'll turn off the lights and then maybe find some people and just pray for each other. Maybe, maybe, Maybe really confess your sin. Maybe just ask, hey, could you pray for this in my life? Um, pray for five or 10 minutes and then we can worship after that. Jesus, thank you for the gift that you've given us of prayer, that, that that you love, that you've ordained the universe such that you do stuff through the prayers of humans like us. What a gift that is, God. and um, Lord, Even even though it's hard and it's kind of awkward and we don't always know what to pray, God, would we as your children take advantage of that gift tonight Um, in community? Would we let others in and would we pray? God, increase our faith. Help us. If some of us feel like wounded, like from unanswered prayers, maybe let's just be honest with each other about that, Lord. Let's be honest about where our soul is at, where our hearts are at. If we feel far from you, let's just be honest about that. And let's pray about it, God. Um, And I just thank you, Jesus, that um, though there are often no's to our prayers that you experienced the ultimate no and you carried the cross and you took our our sin on your shoulders and you bore the punishment that we deserved, that we could be forgiven and called sons of God and be brought into your presence and pray and enjoy you. So would we we press in and enjoy the gift you've given us of your presence and of prayer tonight. And God, I just pray over now, these next few minutes, help us to be real and honest with one another. Let's not be fake and put on some fig and pretend like we're okay. Let's be honest with one another tonight and pray for one another.